When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, this is Hana at Dub Lab Studio in Los Angeles. Welcome to a new episode of the Arts, Music, and New Tech podcast series created by Your Mom's Agency. Together with YYMA in Berlin and Bulk Space in Detroit, we have relaunched the music exchange and contest platform EXP under the patronage of the German-American friendship initiative Wunderbar Together from spring to fall of 2021. Today's installment is a recap of two EXP workshops, one by Bana Hafar from the Beirut Synthesizer Center Pop-Up in Lebanon, co-presented with Peter Kiern at CDM, and the other by Simone Jones in Berlin. First, let's hear Bana's piece about how to get into modular synthesis. Then Simone will explain how AI and NFTs could be part of your music practice. Hi, this is Bana, um, coming to you from the Beirut Synthesizer Center. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about modular synthesizers. Um, I'm going to be doing kind of an intro to modular. Uh, hopefully, um, this video will demystify these uh, strange instruments for those who are not familiar and uh, for those who are familiar hopefully um, you know your uh, your knowledge can be filled in a little bit with maybe information that you weren't already aware of um, so yeah uh, so modular synthesizers what are they why do we use these instruments why do we lug these heavy things around with patch cables instead of just making our lives easier and um, using a hardwired synth um, because they're amazing and they uh, offer a lot more flexibility. So behind me, there is a hardwired synth. Hardwired as in all the patch, um, all the connections have been pre-configured uh, below the hood. Um, and all you have to do is play the keyboard and sound will immediately come out and you can change presets and you know, do a little bit of tweaking, but not nearly as much as a modular synthesizer. Um, so uh, if you think of the analogy maybe of a sandwich, the hardwired keyboard is like a pre-built burger or something, and the modular is like the open-faced sandwich version of it. So if you remove the black and white keys and you took all those circuits and put them upside down, um, you'd have a modular synthesizer. They don't make any sound on their own, so um, you have to connect them. And so these systems are made up of modules. This is a module. Um, so a module is just a little uh, circuit with a fancy faceplate um, and some jacks, which are inputs and outputs, and some knobs or pots or switches, depending on what it is. 
There are hundreds of maybe thousands of different modules at this point, um, hundreds of different manufacturers, and it's kind of overwhelming at first, but um, uh, it's definitely addictive. Anybody who's into modular will tell you that they're addicted to these things. And, um, and if you think about synthesizers, they actually all started off as modular. So in the mid 60s, when Bob Moog and Don Buchla uh, we're, we're working on these, you know, or basically inventing the synthesizer. They invented the modular synthesizer, and it wasn't until later um, that the black and white keyboard was actually added. Um, and the uh, um, the thought process behind that was that you had all these musicians using these modulars, lugging these giant modular cases around with these, you know, you know, whatever hundreds of patch cables and um, complicated setups and so uh, Bob Moog kind of looked at this and was like you know what and he noticed that uh, a lot of musicians were using similar kind of uh, or they were making they were building similar patches so at that point um, it was decided to just pre-configure those patches and just put it into the you know hide them under the hood so that the player could just play the keyboard and just have a few controls um, instead of having to physically patch every single module together. Um, so that's just kind of a brief overview. Um, so the system that I personally use is called a Eurorack system. That's, that's the format, uh, that's the modular format, and that just has to do with the size of the modules um, and certain power requirements. But um, the basics of synthesis are the same, whether you're using Eurorack or a different kind of modular or a hardwired synth, um, the basics are the same. You're still working with sound, you're still working with, um, with pitch, you're working with amplitude, you're working with timbre, it's still all about sound design. It's just how you, how you approach it is very different on these instruments because as the user, you define where you want all the connections to go instead of using a machine where um, those connections have been predefined. So what that does is that um, it allows you to have a lot more control over parameters and the specifics of sound. So if we just take a moment and discuss the basics of sound um, and how they relate to these instruments, uh, so you can start off with an oscillator, the oscillator in a modular synthesizer. Uh, oscillators control the pitch of the sound, and the f um, which is the frequency measured in hertz. And oscillators can also uh, determine the timbre of the sound, which is the, which is the quality of the sound. Um, and that uh, first and foremost comes from the wave shape that you choose. So, I'm going to take my patch cable and I'm going to patch, let's see, let's patch a triangle wave. And so this is a triangle wave versus a sine wave versus a sawtooth wave. So that's the oscillator. Let's go back to the triangle. So the oscillator is going into the amplifier using a patch cable changing the frequency. So high frequency, low frequency. So this oscillator is not going to make any sound unless I patch it with this patch cable. Um, 
which is the basis of this whole system. So that's pitch. And then amplitude is the loudness of the sound. And then, like we said, the timbre is the wave shape. So you have different oscillators in, uh, you know, that are made by different manufacturers and, and each oscillator um, has different characteristics to it, but um, the basic uh, thought process is the same. You have a frequency knob and you have some inputs that allow you to control that frequency. So I have this oscillator and that's, that's fine. It's a cool drone. We can zone out to that, but um, let's do something with it. So how am I gonna change the pitch of this oscillator without a keyboard? The answer is voltage control, which is also the basis of all of this. So I'm going to take a, um, and just a side note on voltage control uh, before we go any further. So voltage control is the basic, uh, the way that these systems work are using voltage control. So if you think of a, um, the raw material that we're using are, is uh, electrons, basically. You have electrons flowing from the wall into these systems. And uh, if you think of it like uh, multiple streams uh, and, the, and there's a giant river kind of coming, like a, a river of electrons coming into your system and that's being branched off into multiple streams, that's what's happening uh, in a modular system. So you are able to control the flow of this uh, electricity as it passes through the system using patch cables to connect one point to the next and then using switches and, uh, and knobs and potentiometers to, to kind of control the flow of the uh, electricity going from one place to the other. So that's the basis of voltage control, which is the main language that this instrument speaks. So speaking of voltage control, I'm going to now take a set of voltages and I'm going to send them from what's called my sequencer. I'm going to send it to my oscillator. So just listen to what that sounds like. So we have our uh, oscillator now that's being sequenced by the sequencer. So a set of stored voltages are being sent to the oscillator. So that's so that would be equivalent of me um, playing that on a keyboard, but instead of playing it, I am using a sequencer to play it for me. Um, and so you can think of uh, voltage control as um, a set of kind of uh, invisible hands playing your frequency knob for you instead of you having to play them. So. So that's one example of control voltage. Um, and there are different types of uh, signals that you use with modular. So um, you have audio rate signals, you have LFOs, which are low frequency oscillators. Um, and so low frequency oscillators, meaning uh, it has the same qualities as an oscillator, but it kind of exists below audio rate. So you can use these LFOs to modulate uh, certain things. Um, so let's, for example, use an LFO to modulate the, uh, the amplitude of the sound. So I'm gonna patch an LFO. 
into the amplifier with patch cables. And so just listen to what that sounds like. So now I have an LFO, low frequency oscillator, modulating the amplitude of our signal. So that's an example of an LFO. And you have gates also. So gates are important. Um, if you think of if you think of a hardwired synthesizer, whenever you press a key, a black and white key, you're sending a gate signal that is opening the amplifier and telling it essentially to, to play. So uh, in the context of the patch that I have going now, I have a gate signal that is basically pushing the sequencer forward. Every time a gate is received into the sequencer, it's moving forward one step. So those are gate signals. So you have LFOs, you have gates, you have uh, envelopes, just like on regular synthesizers. So envelopes allow you to control the sound over time. So um, just listen to what an envelope sounds like. I'm going to apply an envelope to the sequence. So no envelope. allows you to um, to control the sound over time and to control how the how the sound enters so the attack you can have a slow a, a soft attack this is a soft attack a short attack you can have a long decay short decay So I'm using the voltage that's generated from this envelope and I'm sending it to my amplifier, just like I use the, the pitch information that I'm sending to my oscillator. I'm sending the envelope to the amplifier. So those are some examples of um, CV or control voltage in action. So on a lot of synthesizers, you'll see the word CV or VC, VCO, VCA, VCF. That just stands for voltage control filter, voltage control amplifier, voltage control oscillator. So modular synthesizers, they speak voltage control. That, that's the basic um, language. Um, and as Todd Barton uh, says, you are only as expressive as your control voltages. And that's absolutely true. So when studying these and approaching these instruments, it's really worth um, spending time uh, understanding control voltage, um, understanding the different signal types, um, and just finessing the, the, uh, your CV source in relation to the destination, and really thinking about, okay, what what do I what parameter do I want to control in the sound, and how can I achieve that through voltage control? Um, that's the basic thought process behind these instruments, and. Uh, so when you are approaching these, um, you know, there's no, there's no right or wrong entry point. You don't have to know anything about music or um, music tech or, I mean, the, there are um, infinite entry points to these instruments and um, everybody kind of arrives at these instruments from a different, a different place. Um, and I just encourage you to, uh, kind of synthesize your own approach to these instruments and um, 
if you have friends that have some, definitely try them out before buying anything and uh, don't get caught up on the terminology at first and just kind of get to know them and uh, get a feel for them.
So uh, today is a super exciting topic about artificial intelligence and NFTs. Um, but before we kind of get dive into that, because it's it's gonna we're gonna dive in deep. Um, <laughs> I kind of want to just give you a little bit more um, background information about myself. And uh, for those of you that uh, don't know who I am, I have a scientific background. Um, I used to work as a scientist and hold a degree in the sciences and um my and currently i'm a music producer and singer technologist i like to build uh projects that integrate science music and art and technology in really interesting ways whether it's um doing research for uh working with scientific research researchers um at various institutions like cern where i created a project um, that integrated the particle collisions of the large hadron collider there and um, created a musical piece out of that whether sometimes i take audio samples from um from scientific data coming from different planets and stars and convert them into audio waves and play them on my keyboard um, and i've always been interested in this intersection between science music art and technology and innovation uh, and so that kind of naturally led me into an interest in artificial intelligence in music and NFTs. Um, and where does that come from? Uh, I think it just stems from this uh, natural curiosity that I have about the universe as both a scientist and artist. Um, you know, scientists will look at the night sky and think of where, where did we come from? Who are we? And And try and answer these questions with Scientific, the scientific method and various research and artists ask the same questions like who am I why am I here and these the insatiable curiosity that drives these questions leads both scientists and art to uh, come up with really powerful uh, transformational changes in in our lives and in humanity and uh, and it just has to has to do with exploring the the secrets of the universe and um and somewhere at the intersection between science and art there's this really beautiful space that allows uh exploration and creativity and and this idea that art science and technology are inseparable so uh before i start talking about artificial intelligence um, and NFTs, I kind of want to like define the terms because uh, the, yeah, they, they can be pretty uh, all encompassing and a little vague. So by artificial intelligence, I just mean a, a computer that doesn't really, um, it's programmed so that it, in a way it thinks for itself as in it's constantly learning and developing 
um, coding programs that are uh, are self-learning. So it kind of rewrites its program as it continues along. Um, and NFTs, uh, I don't know if you've heard of the term. It's been thrown around a lot. It's become like this this buzzworthy thing in in the the visual art and music community right now. And um, it stands for non-fungible token. And it is a a really abstract concept. Um, So you have this token um, that you can purchase and sell and mint. Um, And in other words, you can purchase it, you can sell it, and then the people who bought it can also resell that same token. And they are connected to crypto currencies which have a, an appreciating value so it's an interesting um it's an interesting investment in the sense of if you buy a work of art if you buy a piece of music um if you buy a painting in in a in a in a gallery the the currency of that of that purchase kind of stays stagnant but with cryptocurrency it's super interesting because you purchase an nft in ethereum or or your your coin of choice and the value of that coin is also going to change as well as the value of the art in a, in it could become completely valueless or it could become, uh, you know, it could just become crazy expensive. I mean, you, you all, we've all heard the story of the guy who, who bought and sold uh, a couple of pizzas for, <laughs> for a couple of Bitcoin and he would have been a millionaire if he didn't do that. So um, yeah, it, it's a, I'll get a little bit more into um, into how it works and and uh, different platforms. If you're interested in creating your own FTs, I mean, artists are selling their NFTs for millions right now. Um, but it, it's it's a way of like creating artwork in the digital space as as a tangible thing and selling it because digital artwork is not really the same. It doesn't have the same tangible um, value as like buying a physical object. So it turns the value of a digital piece of anything, whether it's a photograph or a piece of music or a video into this uh, this tangible asset that you can own, purchase, buy, sell, and, uh, and create with. So um, I'm gonna talk a little bit about this NFT project that I'm doing right now. Um, and it's a combination of, uh, and, and the idea was inspired by by a friend of mine that I worked with um, for, I did an artificial intelligence project um, where I was a consultant for Red Bull. And I worked together with um, a guy named Joe Cavanaugh and we invented this NFT project that we're gonna be launching uh, sometime this year. And again, COVID allowing, (laughs) but we, um, yeah. So we were working on this AI project, which I'm going to, I'm going to touch a little bit on in general about like art, the applications of artificial intelligence and music and how that's transforming the music industry. Um, but we, we, uh, you know, he's a, he's a great innovator and we, um, he has an innovation company and we developed this NFT concept that we're going to be launching and <clears throat> it's part performance. It's part um, NFT uh editions so we have like nfts for sale and then there's also like a physical aspect of the nft where i converted um paintings of mine into nfts so the first part of it is this um 
this experience where you where you attend a performance and this is a, a video of me um at an artist residency that I did um a couple of years ago where I created this immersive environment um where I integrated science music and art in these like visual paintings and I had a another visual artist uh named her artist name is Jem the Misfit who I work with a lot um and I also roped into this NFT project uh and she's a super talented like uh, visual artist and uh, VJ. And so we, we've performed a lot together. Um, and so it made sense that I would rope her into this. And uh, yeah, and she created these beautiful visuals that kind of integrated different concepts of physics. Um, so getting, getting into like the, the actual content behind the NFTs that I made. Um, so I have these like visual paintings. This one I did about the Big Bang. There are six of them as part of a collection. And uh, and I wanted to talk about different concepts in science that that um, in that are mutually exclusive. So if one of them collapses, all of them collapse. So the Big Bang theory um, is about the birth of our universe and the thermodynamic birth in that sense. Um, and the last painting of the series is a thermodynamic death of the universe. Um, and I also have um, the a painting on entropy and dark matter, and these are. Um, these are things that are integrated into the actual performance piece, but also into the NFTs. And so each, uh, each painting has the, these open source um, computers that I built into the back of them that have LEDs um, built into them. And they, they uh, as you approach them, they, the colors inside of them change. They light up and they interact with you. Um, and this is a, a hardware schematic of, the computer hardware that's in the back of each one um, and another performance. So, uh, and this is a, a sample of the, the uh, token that I will uh, uh, have for sale on OpenSea at some point and in combination with this uh, experience. So the idea would be that you will, um, the NFT is going to be part of the uh, the live experience. So your ticket, in a sense, is going to be an alpha token, which I think is a really uh, an NFT token. It's called the alpha token. So the uh, I think it's a really cool idea. Is like you purchase a ticket, but then you you get uh, you get an investment of, of a digital piece of artwork that you get to keep as a as a, a, a token, a memorable token for attending the event. And, th and this is kind of an interesting way of approaching NFTs. So you have a lot of artists that will create these like digital, um, these like digital pictures or digital like short video clips and sell them. Uh, yeah, and sell them online. And, uh, and so, but people are also integrating NFTs into experiences, which I think is probably how it's going to transform the music industry because it pulls the, the power away from um, mediators, right? So if you can, if you don't have to work with a, with a ticket agency or um, a venue to, to promote and sell your, uh, your work, then it kind of just opens up this world where like, artists can have a direct, a direct um, link to their fans without having to go through labels and a, a long list of other mediators that kind of like convolute the, 
artistic process, but also um, that also just are, are unnecessary in the future of music. But I wanted to jump into um, this idea of like interdisciplinary thinking in art and how that leads to um, integrating technology in in different ways within creativity. So um, music and art is a really great way to bridge gaps between disciplines. So if you, uh, for example, um, don't know how to uh, to play an instrument, but you feel musical, there is a ton of tools that exist to like help you create and produce music that don't involve you um, going to piano lessons or guitar lessons, um, but you can still have um, high creative capacity. And um, for production tools, there's a ton of companies that are just popping up. Um, and by a ton, I mean in the hundreds uh, for artificial intelligence in music. And it was part of my job at Red Bull to research these companies and um, come up with a project, uh, which I can't talk about, but <laughs> but uh, to develop um, artificial intelligence in music. And um, and it's a really interesting way of just bridging this gap between um, different practices of science and art, um, but it re definitely requires diverse diverse thinking. You know, it, it re thinking about artificial intelligence makes you redefine what does it mean to be a human making art in the first place, and how is that different from a computer? And if um, if I'm really involved in technology and I'm using technology to create, you know, to express this artistic idea that I have inside of me, how is that um, more or less valuable than playing an extra an actual instrument or um, how is, could it be um, a deeper expression of my art or a lesser one or what does it actually mean to be like a human creating art and can a computer even replace that one day it's kind of a scary thought um, so this idea of like your identity and um, and the collaborative aspect of art is um, is really being re uh, flipped on its head <laughs> when it comes to talking about artificial intelligence. And there's this really great, um, there's this really great uh, video of a computer that's doing the Turing test, which is this, um, this test where you uh, can tell whether or not something is distinguishable from an AI or computer. And so you have this uh, guy that's playing jazz music and a computer that's like responding back and forth between um, him and it's just it's absolutely incredible what's going on right now with um, with AI and uh, and music in general and and to tell you a little bit about the tools so you have and I'm, I don't want to like promote any specific companies because um, there's there's a lot of them but I'm just going to touch on a couple of them um, so you have uh, Amper Music which is this platform it's kind of like a recording uh, digital audio workstation or DAW and you can um, you can basically have these uh, MIDI tracks um, where you uh, where you have an AI that will generate MIDI information for you. So it'll create like the pianos and all of the, the instrumentation, and then you can export them. You can produce within the platform, but you could also pull those ideas out and um, for and it's a really interesting tool to like create like a, a collaboration between AI and and humans, but then you also have um, these companies that are creating 
um, full score for people who have like YouTube channels or like low budget films that are classical compositions. They sound fantastic. Like you can put what you want inside of these algorithms and be like, okay, I want like a moody, like down tempo, blah, blah, blah song. And, and then the AI will just pop out like something for you and you can purchase them. There's even AIs that are collecting royalties right now. The first um, royalty company was the royalty company in France that uh, let's collect. There's an AI that's collecting uh, royalty checks. And, um, and then there's a, there's another company called HomeTap, which you download an app on your phone and you hum into the phones, you hum a melody into it, and it will create a fully produced track um, based on what you're humming. So it'll hum the melody and then you can choose the genre like trap or 80s, like synth pop or Arabic. And, and it'll just like, it'll pull, it'll create what you hummed as like a full, fully produced track. Um, and then, yeah, so it's, uh, but in Google Magenta is another, another um, resource that has a lot of tools where you can um, get short uh, AI generated melodies and then use those as like, as a starting point for your music. And um, there's a lot of different, uh, I think they've got like six or seven different um, way, like music making tools that are artificially intelligence aided. Um, and probably one that I use uh, is just regularly in, in my production work is there's a mastering suite. So uh, when you're done recording and mixing your music, you get it mastered um, to make sure that the the levels are the same and it sounds good you know, on, on your shitty headphones versus like a huge PA in a club. So mastering is like this uh, ambiguous, um, I don't know, a profession where, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very difficult thing to do in general. Um, so usually you send it out to a mastering studio, which is like a specially designed mastering studio, but there's an AI. Um, there are several different AI tools that will analyze your music and do um, automatic mastering within like just a couple of minutes um and uh, i use i don't use those to like publish music but i use them to like get really good um demo recordings if i'm producing for another artist or um just just have like a really a really good reference point of songs and um yeah so uh artificial intelligence is is coming for for <laughs> the music industry and it's also coming for the jobs of the um uh, just technology in general is is with nfts is coming for all of the middlemen um that that uh kind of take i i don't want to say like take money away from the artist but like that use their gatekeeping skills to um as a commodity to like expose their their work to artists and um, NFTs is, a, is an interesting way of, of turning, flipping that over on, um, yeah, on people's heads in, in a way, um, even, even in a visual art sense. So you have, um, and if there's an NFT that is sold for like, you know, over double digit millions. And um, it's a, it was um, normally that, that kind of, uh, normally that kind of, um, sale would be uh, run and profited on by an art gallery. So 
the fact that like you have artists that are are um, able to put out their work um, and get it into the hands of of people who are collectors without a gallery taking 50% of their profit is very attractive and 50 is the standard oftentimes it's 60 for the for visual arts um, it is very attractive for and so a lot of artists um, and and just business people in general are like flocking towards the nft community to uh, create and to to share their work um, and you know it, it's definitely something that uh, can be a little bit scary is in like sometimes change can be scary because it uh, a lot of times technology can be disruptive to industries and they they tend to collapse before they get rebuilt stronger um, and so uh, if these if these tools become more of like a something that you integrate into your work rather than something that kind of like takes it over um, then I think it could uh, provide ways that enhance human expression rather than replace it um because after all we are um <laughs> we are the original first ancient instruments like our bodies are these uh these wonderful collection of particles that have existed since the the beginning of time um i mean we literally have particles in our body that were there during the creation of our universe and um, and so the way we human beings are ancient celestial instruments. So I just wanted to end on that idea. So thank you. Thanks for listening. We also played The Silver Chord by Simone Jones and Castles in Beirut by Bana Hafar. Join the Facebook group EXP to access all workshop podcasts and discover new music made in LA, Detroit, and Berlin. And thanks to all of our collaborators, Bulk Space in Detroit, CDM.link, Four Culture Radio, the Goethe Institute in Chicago, Reboot FM, Your Moms in Berlin, and our main partner, Wunderbar Together. This is Hannah at Dublab in Los Angeles, signing off now. Have a great day.